Let's do it. the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call, and we'll put you right at the top of the list. We'll try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That's right, and right now is the perfect time to call and get your questions answered in depth, and you won't be getting a rush job at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, I've been saying that for 20 years. <laughs> I know, and it never fails. This guy, I went to the dentist yesterday to get my teeth cleaned because she gives me all the normal advice about floss. What? Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. I said, I know my customers. <laughs> feel, feel what I'm telling them all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> In one ear and right out the other. That's right. That's right. So Anyway. Sometimes you need to listen. That's it. That's it. Just got to know when. That's right. Give us a call. And we're going to our phone lines with Paul. Good morning, Paul. All right. Good morning, Lewis. Yeah, how you doing, sir? What is your take on a synthetic brake fluid? Is it compatible with regular fluids? And Well, there is a new synthetic fluid out that is, as long as it says dot three four compatible on the label, yes, it is. That is a synthetic rather than a silicone there's also what they call DOT5, which is a silicone brake fluid. Now, that is not compatible. So you have to be a little bit careful with that. I haven't really seen, Paul, a great advantage to it from all the tests. And I think the initial ballpoint's a little bit higher than normal brake fluid. But unless you're basically road racing the car, I don't know if that's going to be a big factor. You know, DOT3, I think, has a 401-degree ballpoint. Uh-huh. And DOT4 is higher than that. It's around 455. So I don't really see a tremendous advantage to it. I prefer to just use regular dot three and dot four and just change it every brake service or three years whichever comes first right right okay but uh, well, yeah it, it is supposedly compatible just be careful because there is still some dot five floating around out there now dot five is going to be a purple colored fluid and it's a silicone based right now right. that is a great great improvement over regular brake fluid or would have been it came out and showed tremendous promise however it can't be used with anti-lock brakes because it foams Mm-hmm. So that's when when ABS came out, it pretty much killed the whole silicone brake fluid thing. But it's a great, and we use it sometimes in antique cars a lot. We use it sometimes in motorhomes and stuff that don't have any lock brakes on them because it's pretty much, you're not going to have any corrosion with it. Right, right. and it, it will not eat the paint off it either. It doesn't hurt the paint if you happen to spill it on. So a lot of classic cars like it for that. Uh, yeah, right, right. All righty. Okay, thanks a lot. Okay, Paul, thank Thanks, you. Man. Bye-bye. Uh, Hi, if you want to be part of the automotive, we would love to have you. And we've got Wayne on the line. Good morning, Wayne. Good morning, gentlemen. Yes, Good morning. And I use that term loosely. Hey, you. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the call screener was telling me that y'all, you know, he noticed it right away that y'all had the perfect basis for radio. Okay. And he did say that, so I just thought I'd like well, to good. know that. <laughs> we ain't worried about what he says. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Quick question, yes, and, and I, I missed the other caller because the call screener was taking so long. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> That's all right. We'll get seriously it. Seriously speaking, my wife has a 2001 Ford Explorer. Yes, sir. And she said every now and then when she hit her brakes, the brake light would come on. Okay. okay. So I and, you know, I popped the hood being the expert mechanic that mm-hmm. I am, mm-hmm. and I you know, where you put the brake fluid in, and yes, it sir. looked like it was a little low. Yes, sir. Would that be causing that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's got a little float in there with a magnet on it, and as the float level goes down, it trips a, a magnetic switch, which tells you the brake fluid is low. Some of those are set a little too sensitive, and they tend to get more sensitive over time just because the okay. float tends to absorb brake fluid over time, gets there, so it's closer to the Thank switch. You. Okay. And a lot of times when it's just a hair, hair, hair low, it'll set that light. 
Now, you got to watch, too, Wayne, if the brake fluid is truly low, you need to check the brakes because of the reason, because the sealed system, it doesn't lose fluid unless exactly. it's either got a leak. that was my question. That yeah. must be a leak. Either a leak or brake material worn out because as the pads wear and the shoes wear, the cylinders take more fluid in. So as the level drops, it indicates a problem. Or at least, you need, at least you need to inspect it. You know, if you have it all inspected and they say everything's okay, then go ahead and top it off, you're good. You know, you gave me, I've taken my car over to your shop before, uh -huh. and my wife thinks you walk on water, well, but I told her that your hair's not long enough. <laughs> and uh, wrong last name. There you go. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, seriously speaking, you know, it's a 2001, and you told me, you know, which was some great advice, you know, because I asked you, when do you stop repairing an older car? Mm -hmm. And, and ever since I told her that she believes in this, you, what you basically said was that when the repairs get so expensive that it, you know, you're losing right. uh, the, that value relationship. Like if you're spending five hundred dollars a month well, on repairs, and you yeah. get a brand yeah. new car. Well, that's right. When, when it starts, and, and my number is about two hundred a month because there's nothing right. I can buy for two hundred a month. But if I'm averaging less than two hundred a month total, that's repairs, maintenance, and everything, everything. Then I'm good. You know, that's way exactly. cheaper than anything else I can drive. Exactly, and you told us that, and that's the creep you've been living on. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, it's a 2001, so that's pretty damn oh, yeah. good. That's right, and that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's you, one whole more car you didn't have to buy. That's the so way I look at you're it. You're 30 grand ahead right now. <laughs> that's exactly. Am I? Yeah. Oh, hey, you need to take, a, take a cruise, man. I was going to say, time for a big yeah, vacation. Yeah, yeah, tell your wife that. She'll take you on a cruise, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll, be, I'll be bringing my car into you. Oh, take okay, wife. Take care. Thank you, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And let's see, we've got Todd online. Good morning, Todd. Hey, I'm looking at a Jeep to purchase. It's a 93, okay. 2.4, four-cylinder mm -hmm. at 120,000 miles. I'm just looking for any you know, any known problems or stuff. Todd, is there a reason you wanted a 93, or that's just what you found? No, I'm, that's for my son, but no. Yeah, no. what I would be concerned with, Todd, is the age. Right. The, the miles don't bother me at all. If you said, hey, I found a 2003 with 120,000 miles, I'd say, hey, no big deal. Good. But you're talking about an old vehicle there. The problem that you get into with that old stuff is that all the rubber and stuff starts to deteriorate on it. Yeah. The hydraulics all start to corrode. Generally, age kills a car way, way, way more than miles. Yeah. I would prefer to see you buy a later model, even with more mileage, which is going to be in about the same price range. Right. I just think you're going to be way, way, way better off. Unless, now if you say, hey, look, you know, my dad had a 93 Jeep. I want a 93 Jeep. It has sentimental. Well, that's fine. But you're going to end up spending a tremendous amount of money based on the age of the vehicle. That's the only thing that concerned me. I'd rather see something a little newer, even with higher mileage. Because miles don't hurt them and the age does. Yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. Mm. On that particular motor, are you familiar with it? The little four-cylinder Jeep? Yeah, it's a 2.4, which is a Yeah, decent little motor. I mean, it was pretty crude, you know, not really a whole lot on it. Right. Timing belt or chain? Chain. Okay. Chain, or it might even have gears. I'd have to look back. I don't remember right. for sure. It's either chain or gears. It doesn't have a belt. Okay. Not going to self-destruct. No. <laughs> no, no, not from that respect. What I would look to see is probably end up dumping a grand in the brakes on it because every all the cylinders and every all the brakes are going to be completely just corroded up you got to check the cooling system also Cooling system may be corroded. corroded you may put a radiator you may put a heater core right. you know all the rubber and stuff under the dash all the rubber and the suspension that's the kind of stuff that i would be concerned about rear differential leaks transmission leaks those sorts of things as far as that uh, the, the transfer case and all that that mm -hmm. all should be replaced just because of its age. Oh, yeah. I would. Yeah. I change yeah, all the fluids in Yeah, I change every fluid right. in it unless they've been right. done recently. And, I mean, that's real. It's real simple stuff that you can do yourself. It's just right. drain, drain and fill type stuff. 
that's the advantage of an old vehicle. It's yeah. Easier yeah. To work on. yeah, and I mean, really, anything up to probably about 2000 or so is going to be the same. And a Jeep, even further up than that, probably up to around 2002 or three is going to still be relatively simple technology. Unless you start buying some real new stuff, that's where it gets stupid after like 207. But, yeah, I mean, if you could find something, and what happens, I find, on used vehicles is that people tend to base their price on mileage, which is totally wrong. If you've got a low-mileage old vehicle, boy, they get premium price for it. What I like to do is find a late-model, high-mileage vehicle because nobody knows what it's worth. (laughs) You can get a good deal on that, and you got way, way less problems. Not only that, but parts availability is a lot easier, and you know, everything else is just a lot easier on a newer vehicle. Okay. All righty. All right, thanks a lot. Okay, Appreciate man. It. Bye-bye. All right. You got Steve online. Good morning, Steve. Hey, Lewis. Hey, Brian. Good morning. Hey, I've got, actually, it's my brother's car. He's got a 2002 Honda Civic with uh-huh. a five-speed standard. Okay. And, well, it's, we're having problems with the transmission. Okay. It's hard to get in third and fourth gear, and then it's popping out of, out of that gear. Okay. And, well... To make a long story short, he took it to the deal, mm-hmm. one of the dealers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they said it was a clutch. Well, they replaced the clutch, and it's still got the same well, problem. Well, yeah, clutch right. is not going to make it pop out of gear. I didn't think so. No, not ever. I mean, it can make it hard to shift, but generally be hard to shift in every gear, and if you turn it off, it'll shift easy. Yeah. No, it doesn't sound like a clutch problem. If it's jumping out. What, Internal. The improper name that we used to all call a dog, it's a little detent that holds a slider sleeve in uh-huh. place when you're not on it. And those little detents wear out, and the slider sleeve, just the vibration of transmission makes it slip, and it just slips back out of gear. Because you're not moving gears in that transmission. You're moving a slider sleeve back and forth, which catches little teeth on the ends of the gears. Uh-huh. And it's got a spring-loaded piece that holds that in place. That thing wears out, and when it does, it jumps out of gear. I can tell you, Steve, that is a fairly uncommon issue with that transmission. You got a gajillion miles on or something? Uh, 130,000. Wow, it's fairly low yeah. for that kind of problem. You can rebuild that transmission, repair all that stuff, or you could maybe check around and see how much you could find a used transmission because not being a very typical problem, <laughs> chances are if you find another one, you're not going to have that issue with it. Uh-huh. Go on the net. There's tons and tons of salvage yards that sell parts on the Internet now. Look and see what you can find a used transmission for. And if you can find one somewhere in, say, the $400 range, that's going to be way cheaper than you can be able to rebuild the one you got. Oh, really? Yeah, you're going to probably be up around 1500 bucks rebuilding the thing by take it out, go through it, and put it back in. So, And I don't know if you're handy enough to exchange that unit yourself. It's kind of tricky being a front-wheel drive car, but even if you had to pay somebody to swap it out, you'd probably be cheaper off. I mean, if they want 1000 bucks for, for a used transmission, well, no. You know, then you'd be more likely to rebuild. But yeah, it's, it wasn't a very common problem with them. Hmm. Well, would a person's shifting habits have something to do with oh, that? Oh, everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Question answered? Yeah. <laughs> that oh. and a bad clutch will make the transmission go bad because what it's doing is trying to shift while the clutch is still driving. If the clutch doesn't fully release, it'll tear up the transmission real fast. Oh, okay. Oh, one other question, mm-hmm. Lewis. Does uh, your opinion of aftermarket parts also extend to the hoses? I've got a 96 Buick that I need to replace the hoses. There's aftermarket, there's aftermarket. As long as you're buying a hose, like let's say Gates or Deco or one of the major brands, Uh I don't think it's the quality of the hose that came on the car, but neither is the one you buy from Chevrolet because that's not the original equipment hose you're buying from Chevrolet. It's a Delco hose. Oh, really? Yeah, you cannot buy that hose. The hose that came on, you forget, you ain't never going to get that. Oh. Unless you buy another car, and even then you may not get that. But the name brand ones are pretty decent. But like I say, 
there's a misconception. A lot of people think when you go back to the dealer, you're getting all original equipment parts that came on the car. Well, that's not so. You know, they've got vendors that made parts for them originally, and they got vendors that make replacement parts. Oh, I didn't know it's that. It's not always the same. Huh. A lot of times it is the same, but it's not always the same. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Just one more little foible of the automotive <laughs> repair business. So. Yeah. But, yeah, you'll never have another hose that's going to last like that original one. Oh, okay. You okay. know, just – and I don't really change those hoses until I just have to because I have found the original hoses, particularly on the mid ninety to mid-2000 cars, sometimes they last 10, 12, 15 years. Oh, okay. I mean, they're, well, they're, if, run the leak. If yeah. they're not crunchy or leaking or real, real soft. Yeah, I would inspect I would, them all, and if the rest of them look good, I'd change the one that was bad. Oh, okay. Because it could just be some oil got on or something. Yeah, I'll check into that. Yeah, if the rest of them look good, I'd change the one that was bad. Okay. Okay, Lewis. All righty. Thanks. Okay, man. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. If you want to be part of the Automotive Fire, we'd love to have you. We're going to take a couple more of our calls for the break. We've got Bobby online. Good morning, Bobby. Hey, Lewis. How you doing, Brian? Man, doing Good morning, great, sir. Look, I'm calling about the weeds in my yard. All right. Oh, that's the wrong show. Wrong show. I'm sorry. <laughs> I look, Happy New Year to you guys. Yes, sir. Uh, Thank you. you got a great show. And two things I'm calling about today. First of all, Lewis, you said you were kind enough to put the shows, the uh, 2010 radio shows yes, on a sir. DVD? Yes, sir. How would a civilian such as myself get one of those? <laughs> well, if you send me an email, I'll, I'll see if I can get you one. Okay, send, I'll, I'll send you an email as soon as we get off the phone. Okay. Second question is, i got a buddy of mine who's got a Mercury just like mine, a 1996 uh, Mercury Grand Marquis that, thanks to your advice, is still better shaped than I am. Okay. And But he went to get a brake tag, and he had. they told him he had a problem with a catalytic converter. Okay. okay. Now, I think that car's got two catalytic it converters, does. I think. It does. Does he have to change both of them? Well, I wouldn't change either one just yet, Bobby, because what happened uh -huh, on that okay. particular car, Ford got a waiver from the EPA because the cats, you know, the original standards on that car were maybe just a tad bit high. Okay. And when the car gets a little older, it can't meet those standards. Doesn't mean it's bad, but it possibly could still be acceptable. There is a flash update that we can do. We can reflash the computer that sometimes will alleviate that code. What it does, it... When the code occurs, rather than turning the light on immediately, what it does, it makes it a two-trip code. It puts it into a file and starts to watch it. It has to occur two times in one drive cycle before it kicks the light on. Now, let's say that cat is right on the edge of the efficiency level. That may get you past that edge because those converters are both real expensive. Yeah, you're not kidding about that. Yeah, they, they, uh, they way, way high. And Ford is notorious for discontinuing that stuff. They don't even sell it anymore. Yeah, now, like, I went the other day tried to get something to break past for a 2004 Lincoln Town Car and told me it would discontinue. Yeah, well, like I said, I'm, I'm, if he had trouble with his, I'm likely to have trouble with mine. So yeah, I would look at getting that flash update. It's not a big deal. It's about an hour to go in and reflash the computer, and that just kind of widens that spec out a little bit. I thought it was just a great thing because it was costing people an arm and a leg for something that didn't amount to nothing. So that is available on most of it. And I'd have to check and make sure your car falls under the, that parameter because I don't know if it's for every single car, but I know we fix a lot of them like that. Okay. Let me go back on the hose advice you get that guy because okay. I got that mid-96 too. Uh -huh. You said unless the hoses feel bad or unless they're leaking, right. don't change them. Right. Now, if they're swollen or if they're soft or if they're rock hard or if they're cracking, you know, obviously okay. you got to do something. But okay. I prefer to inspect them, and I just leave them on there because I tell you, I have seen them go 15 years, man. Wow. They they used a great, great material, whatever they built those hoses out of back in those days. The replacements you get, I'm not saying they're bad, but you're going to get four or five years out of them by like you something, maybe not even that. Like I said, I, I can't remember replacing mine. Yeah, I mean, well, Maybe probably, I did one. It's probably the original. So. It's probably the original. Many things last almost forever. Good Lord. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, okay, guys. Take care. All right. Thank All you, right. man. Bye-bye. Right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And let's see, we've got Mike's been patient holding. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, guys. I Good appreciate morning. your show. You guys yes. are a great service to the community. Thanks, sir. 
and one quick question. I have a 9840 Explorer, and, uh-huh. and the best way I can describe my problem is it's under the hood. It's, it's like a humming sound, usually when I'm at a traffic light. Or Does a it come sound. and go? Yeah, yes, sir. It comes and goes. You know, when I accelerate, it goes away. But when I yeah, I'll tell you the first thing I check there, Mike, it's real common on that. Are you fairly handy yourself? Family might be stretching a little bit. <laughs> go under the hood and take the engine cover off. You know how to do that? Yes, the, I can do pipe. that. Okay. Look on top of the motor, and there's a little silver cylinder <laughs> with two bolts and a wire going into it. It's called an idle air control motor. Okay. And just kind of put your finger in there and see if you feel that same type buzzing, because those are real, real bad about that. I don't know why they do it, but they only do it on idle. You pick it off idle, it goes away. Kind of okay. a loud, obnoxious buzz hum. Right, exactly. And, and it seems like it's only uh, maybe in the summer or the warmer months. Yeah. It's not necessarily I, like right it, now. It comes fine. and goes. Really and truly, I hadn't seen where it hurts the car, but it is annoying. Okay. We fixed a million of them like that. But next time it does it, if you can get out there while it's still doing it, just put your finger on it. You'll feel it. Eh, that IEC. Those take about 15, 20 minutes to change. Not real big deal. And they're probably about an 80 or $90 part from Ford. So. Okay. Uh, great. Well, I appreciate it. Like right. said, it's more annoying than anything, it but is. I appreciate it. It is. Thank you, man. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Hi, friend. We're going back to the lines. We've got Bruce online. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning, sir. Look, uh, Bud Fellow's uh, catalytic converter yes, on his sir. Mercury. Uh-huh. If it rattles, it's usually bad when you rev the motor up yes, from sir. an idle. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Well, it's bad in a different way. You know, just uh-huh. like anything else, kind of like people, they die a lot of different ways. Uh, Same right. thing with a catalytic converter. It can rattle. It will be bad. It can be below efficiency. It can plug up. It can start smelling like a rotten egg. There's lots of ways they go. Right, because I've driven several Fords for mm-hmm. different people, and every, uh, well, almost every one would start rattling get a little above an idle. And that's what it was on that, every one yeah, of them. Yeah, that is a common issue, and a lot of things can cause that, Bruce. One of the most common is driving through any kind of high water. And when I say high water, I mean four or five inches deep is, is high water because that converter is 1,000 degrees, and it's a piece of ceramic inside. And you run through that hot, cold water, and it sloshes up on it, and it's liable to crack that ceramic where it does. It falls in the bottom of the case and starts rattling. Yeah, Another thing is an impact of any kind. Anything that hits it or bumps it. And those cars tend to sit a little low to the ground, so anything you run over that hits, it'll crack them and make them start rattling. Yeah, well, if that's the case, just a hard rain would uh, might crack them. Well, Maybe. not so much because it's just throwing up a little bit of water, and it's just getting like a little spray. <coughs> but when you submerge it, you're doing a whole different deal. Well, with a heavy rain, you're going to get a lot of puddling. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of deep I holes I haven't and really stuff. seen that affected as much because what happens is more of a spray, and it cools the whole thing down at a slower rate. Then once it's cooled down, it's not as drastic. You may go from 1,000 degrees down to 500 degrees in a hard rain. All right. Well, I just but thought I'd share that Yeah, when it's coasting along 1,000 and drops until being submerged, it's just a sudden shot, does it? Oops, we lost Mr. Bruce. There we go. There you go. I'm going to take a quick little break. Drew and Ty, you guys hang on. You'll be straight after this break. Highway, that's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. Kate, we can shop tomorrow. I'm off to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. 
Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate? Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I, I mean vehicle. Uh, improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back. If you just joined us, it's the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. In between two of us, we're glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Let's go to our phone lines. we got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Hey, uh, good morning, Louis. Good to hear from you today. Yes, sir. Look, I have a 2000 Ford F-150. Yes, sir. I have right at 342,000 miles wow. on it. Good for you. Truck runs great. Uh-huh. The problem I have now is that as I'm driving, mm-hmm. well, when I first crank it up, Yes, sir. And periodically having to drive it. It's not constant. I hear a screeching noise. Okay. So, uh, so I assume it's a fan belt. Right. So, well, uh, let me ask you this, Mike. Does the noise still there when you stop driving? And if you're sitting still with the motor running, is the noise still there? No, it's not. Okay. Well, it's probably not going to be a fan belt because, see, the, uh, the engine's still running with, when the car's sitting still. Correct. I would suspect more likely going to be a U-joint. That's pretty common on those, and you'll get a screech, 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 screech noise, and it will go away when you speed up. When you get to a certain speed, you won't hear it anymore. Correct. Is that kind of what you're hearing? Yes, it is. Do you hear it a lot, like at low speed, like when you're backing up? Screech, 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 screech. Uh, well, no, uh, uh, not when I'm backing up at all. Okay. Around parking lot uh, speed going forward? Parking lot speed going forward? No, uh, all I'm going forward. Okay. Well, I would check the U-joints first. And I'm not okay. saying that's what it is, but that is a classic thing that produces that little squeak noise. And uh, when you stop the vehicle, it'll stop. Okay. Because now, okay. the drive shaft stops, but the motor's still turning, see? The correct way to check that drive shaft is take it out of the vehicle. Right. Because it can still feel tight in the vehicle. Right. But the U-joint could be froze up. Yeah, so you can get a U-joint that is frozen completely up, and it's good and uh-huh. tight. There's no slack in it, but it's all rusty inside. So you really have to take the shaft out and operate all those little trunnions by right. hand and see if any of them are tight or binding. Okay. What you'll probably find is when you take it out, you'll find it almost immediately. Yeah. Okay, okay. Now, a friend of mine said that he had a similar problem. Uh-huh. It was a pulley season up. Well, you can get all that, but again, Mike, the reason I lean away from that is if the vehicle sits still with the motor running and it doesn't do it, all that's still turning. Right. That's if it. it only does it when you're rolling, it's that's probably right. not going to be that. It's probably going to be more something in the drive line, which is more likely to U-joint. Now, again, it's possible it could be a wheel bearing. It could be all kinds of things. But yeah. if it always stops when you stop, then it's not anything on the motor. Yeah. Because the motor's okay. still running. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay, okay Mike. Day. Thank you, man. All right. Yeah. Bye-bye. And we're going right back to our phone lines with Drew. Good morning, Drew. Good morning, Lewis. I got a 97 Chevrolet Venture, and has a rebuilt engine in it from uh-huh. a local shop. Yes, sir. About a year old. And so my wife had told me the oil light was coming on, so I got in it this morning, drove it around. It mm-hmm. took uh, 30 or 40 minutes, okay. and the oil light is coming on. I did check the oil, and the level was fine. Drew, before I got too concerned, what I would want to do is take this little cinder unit that makes that oil pressure light work. I would take that out and put a known good gauge into that little port and measure and see what the actual oil pressure is. 
Now, if the actual oil pressure is good, and good's normally around 20 to 25 psi in an idle, then the sender unit can go bad and cause that issue. But you don't want to not check it because there's lots of things inside the motor that can cause that your oil pressure drop that will also tear the motor up. So you need to get the oil pressure verified on it, and all pressure's good, I'd change the sender unit, and that will probably fix that. Okay. Now, if, if the oil pressure's actually low, it could be that the bearing clearance wasn't set properly when they rebuilt the engine. It could be a cam bearing has turned. I mean, there's lots of things that can make oil pressure drop. Generally, it's always a clearance-type issue. I've heard people say, well, the oil pump might have went out. Well, it's two hardened steel gears running oil. That just hardly ever, ever, ever happens. It's possible, but very, very rare. Most of the time, the pump is producing pressure, but in order to produce pressure, there has to be resistance. When the clearance on the bearings gets too great, there's not enough resistance, so the pressure drops. And when that happens, that's when your light starts coming on, and very, very detrimental to the engine if that is the case. But I wouldn't get overly concerned until you check the oil pressure and see what it is, because those sending units are pretty bad about going out. It's a pretty common issue. I'm sorry. Uh, when you're sitting here looking at it and it's at a low idle, mm -hmm. the the light is actually flickering, but when the RPMs go up, then it stays on. Is that significant? Not necessarily. That sounds more like a sender unit than all pressure because all pressure would generally go out when you accelerate because the pressure is going to come up some. So most likely, and I preface that with most likely, it's going to be a sender unit, which is a fairly minor repair, but you do need to verify that the all pressure is good. All right. I appreciate okay. it. Okay. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Right. If you want to be part of the automotive fire, we would love to have you. And we're going line with Ty. Good morning, Ty. Good morning. How's it going, guys? Doing great, Good sir. morning. Yes, I have an 03 Honda Civic. Recently purchased it with uh, 55,000 miles on it. Okay. When I'm driving, it's an automatic. When it's cold, the transmission, when it shifts from second to third mm -hmm. and then third to fourth, mm -hmm. it revs up yeah. to about 3,000 or so, maybe a little under that RPM yeah. mm -hmm. before it shifts. Pretty oh, common. It happens a lot more when it's cold yeah. than it does after it gets warmed up. Pr pretty common talking. issue, Ty. That's almost always going to be an internal problem inside the transmission. It's kind of the first stage of going out. Mm -hmm. uh, those transmissions had a tremendous amount of problems anyway. From I think it was 99 to 2004, mm -hmm. they were under a recall. And you might just try and see if you're still covered because it was seven years, 107,000-mile recall, I think. I know you're under it on your mileage, but you, depending on when the car was built, you might be out on the years, and they don't uh -huh. usually budge on that too much at all because it's already way extended. But mm -hmm. just check and see if you can get it covered under the recall. Okay. If nothing else, maybe they'll do something for you, like, hey, half-price deal or something. But that was relatively common on those. called shift flare. Now, obviously make sure it's full of fluid because yeah. a leak can cause the same thing, but Man, that's, that's very common on those. Pull a stick and smell it, and if it kind of smells like burnt popcorn, then yeah. you pretty much know. All right. All righty. Thank you. Thank you, Ty. Bye-bye. I you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, and we're going back to the lines with Larry. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Hey, Good man. morning. Hey, I got a 08 Toyota Corolla. Yes, sir. And when it needs an oil change, does mm -hmm. a little light comes on? Yes, it says maintenance, maintenance required. required. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, I know when I go change it, they, they have a method of getting that light off the dash. Yes, sir. Uh -huh. normally, Can I do that on mine? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Normally, and this is normally, it'll be in your owner's manual somewhere, but normally what you do, you know the little button where you reset your triple-dometer? Triple right. Normally, if you press and hold that and then turn the key on and continue to hold it, uh -huh. you'll see it blink two or three times or something and go out. you got to hold it for a good what, while. What you need to do, if, if it's like the ones we did the other day, you... Make sure the odometer reading is up where you can read the odometer. All right. Turn the key off. Okay. 
push the reset button and hold it in and turn the key back on. Uh-huh. And instead of the odometer coming on, you're going to get six little lines. Right. And they're going to blink. And each time they blink, they're going to go out. Okay. And as the lines go out, keep holding the button down until all the lines are gone and the light will reset. Right. Oh, okay. And, and if that doesn't do it, check your owner's yeah, manual. There'll be, be a the procedure in there. But, yes, you can That's, reset that. All right, then. And, and that just comes on every so many miles mm-hmm. to tell you, hey, it's maintenance due. Right. It doesn't uh, signal a problem of any kind. All right. Thank you so all much. Right, You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, and we would sure appreciate your call. Go ahead and give us a call. And we got Ed on the line. Good morning, Ed. Hi, a question for you. Sure. I've got a 95 Suburban, uh-huh. 350 four-wheel drive, mm-hmm. 185,000 miles. Okay. Placed a battery here recently mm-hmm. uh, within the last six months, side post battery. And the problem we're having is when you go to start it sometimes mm-hmm. after it's been running, you mm-hmm. go to start it and just absolutely nothing. Okay. It sounds like a dead battery, but it's not. There's it's just not, there's nothing. It's, it's a good battery check. Yes, yeah, so three or four we, things is pretty common on that thing, Ed. If you, it's got two cables on the positive terminal. Right. Okay, you got a big one and a smaller one. Right. There's a little piece of lead that goes between those, like a little spacer. And okay. those are not were not ever designed to be reused, but everybody in the world reuses them. And generally, if, if it's a 95, it's probably been reused five times every time the battery's been disconnected or changed. Those will wear out, and what it does, it will not make good power to that second cable, and that cable powers the power center. So you got no power to the power center. It is going to be absolutely everything in there is going to be dead because it doesn't have the power to energize the solar model and the starter. It doesn't have anything to light anything up. It will be completely dead. A good way to check for that is next time it does it, continue holding the key over and then get someone to go out there and grab the cables and pull on them and see if it instantly starts to crank. And okay. if it does, take that whole thing back apart, go buy one of those little spacers, get you a new bolt, and put it back together, and that fixes okay. that a lot of times. Now, if that's not it, the other end of that wire where it goes to the power center is kind of bad about corroding up. If your old battery was leaking, what will happen, that cable will act just like a soda straw. That acid will wick all the way through that cable back to that power center. And eat that cable up, and that will cause that problem. Even though I've cleaned the battery. Doesn't make a bit of difference because it's all inside the insulation, inside that wire going back to the power center cable. And you have to pull the cover off and look back there because that's normally where the corrosion is going to be. Okay. So check that. Well, if that's the problem, that or we can make you a cable for it. I I don't know if Chevrolet still sells that or not, but we've got a machine that'll make those cables. Another, I'm up in Spokane, Washington, so it'd be a little bit. Be different. a little bit difficult, yeah. <laughs> but what you could try is take a pen knife and just split the insulation back slightly on that wire and peel it back and look inside and see if that cable is corroded. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can always tape it right back up. But if it's got corrosion inside that cable, that was another fairly common thing. And in the other end of the cable where it hooks it to the power center, corrosion there will cause that issue. Okay. So that's a couple of the, the most common things. If it's none of that, either send me an email or uh, call again next week, and I'll give you some more stuff. Okay. Okay, Ed. Thanks. Thank you, Love man. Love listening to your show. Well, thank you. Thank you. You listen from Spokane? Spokane, Washington. All right. All right. Well, good deal. Appreciate you, man. Thank Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the Automotive Fire, we'd love to have you. we got to take one more quick little break. John and Greg, you guys will be here straight after this break. Kate, we... 
We can shop tomorrow. I'm off to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate? Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I I mean vehicle. Uh, Improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we're going back to the line with John. Good morning, John. Hey, I've got a 2001 Blazer with an anti-lock light keeps coming on on my brakes. Okay. That's going to be an electrical problem, John. doesn't have anything to do with regular brakes. There's going to be a code stored. The ABS light is exactly like a check engine light on your engine, only it's on the brakes. But it doesn't mean anything's wrong with the brakes. It's going to be electrical. Normally, or some of the things we see a lot are the wheel speed sensors can go out on it. There's a pump. There's a module. There's piles of stuff, any kind of bad connection. You just have to go in, check the code, see what the code indicates, and then go from there. You know, just just okay. like solving a check engine uh, light. The dealer has hooked the computer up, and every, yeah. the pump is not being actuated. Yeah. Yeah. However, the problem didn't start till I had the rear end overhaul. So I think it's a sensor. There must be a sensor. They tell me there's no sensors on the rear wheels. I say, there's got to be a sensor. going to know when it works. Not necessarily. If, if it's a two-wheel ABS, it's got a sensor in the transmission which is going to just, it senses that the vehicle speed is decreasing too fast. So it depends on what system you got. They use three or four different systems on them, but a lot of them do not have a sensor in the rear end. Yeah. Okay. In other words, it could be the big module. Well, it could be all kind of things. That's you just got to get somebody to check and knows what they're doing. All they'll do is hook a computer on it. <laughs> you take somebody who knows what they're doing, get them a diagnosed problem for you. It can be fixed. It's just an electrical issue. If they're telling you the wrong thing, find somewhere else to go because you can't just keep on doing the same thing expect to get a different result. Hey, let's go back to our phone line with Greg. Good morning, Greg. Hey, Lewis. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Hey, I have 2005 Lincoln LS. Yes, sir. And the uh, headlight, one of the uh, driver's side headlight, mm-hmm. uh, broke the lens on it. Okay. Now, they're saying that that sucker is almost $2,000. <laughs> Hope sitting down. Greg, I've been through this before. They are obscenely expensive, like almost everything on the newer cars. That had some kind of a weird headlight assembly in there, and I don't know that you can even buy that from Ford anymore. Some of the stuff has been discontinued. I was wondering if, if they had a place to send it off, if some people repair them, anything like that? Not if it's broken, I don't think you'll be able to. But the last one I did, we got a light that was a different, didn't have that same headlight system in it, but it fit on the car. And we converted it to the other style headlights. That's what we did on his. And we were able to change both of them and still save a a good bit of money over what one of those others. That's just another one of those pieces of the technology we talk about every week. It's absolutely just ludicrous, the technology they're putting on cars. And the newer cars are 10 times worse than these were. 
but they've, yeah. they've got technology on cars that cost thousands and thousands of dollars to maintain that does absolutely yeah. no good to the customer. The customer doesn't even know it's on the half time. Yeah, I've heard, heard that before. Yeah, oh, I've yeah. heard that before, yeah. Yeah, I About, mean, a $2,000 piece headlights, I mean, yeah. give me a break. How much yeah. better do you see with these than you did with the old ones? Yeah, I mean the old ones that cost three bucks a piece. How much better right. are these? <laughs> you know? right. Right. And you can change right. it in about five minutes. Yeah it's, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And like I said, after '07, they absolutely lost their mind. I mean, they have no concept of yeah. cost. You know, cost benefit to the customer. Right. I mean, they just stick this junk yeah. on there, and it's yours. Yeah, I heard they put, put a vacuum inside there, and I guess that's to keep it from fogging up from the inside or it's something. It's got some kind of a transformer that runs it. It's a high-energy discharge bulb, and, and yeah, 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 yeah. But I know, uh, I know what you're talking yeah. about, but I know we worked on one not it's, – it's been a year or so ago, and we were able to convert it over to the standard-type headlights, and he was able to get some standard lenses and put in it. Got it all working for considerably less money. Hmm, Okay. All righty. That or you can try a junkyard. Try a junkyard be your only other bet. Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, yeah, tried that already. Yeah, because yeah, Ford is continuing a lot of that stuff. They didn't use it all in a whole lot of cars, and you go up there, we don't have it anymore. Okay, what am I uh, supposed to do? <laughs> buy a new car. Yeah. I'm going to get with you later on in the week and see if I can track down something from somewhere and maybe make it work. Or yeah, you might just go on the uh, Internet as well and see if anybody's making an aftermarket replacement. It may be something on there. Somebody may be making something for it. I've tried that, and there's not hardly anything. Yeah, it was it was a limited production thing, so it's yeah, not that, a big market out there. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Real, yeah, real gonna, pain, I'm, man. Yeah, I'm going to get with you, and maybe we can, uh, maybe we can figure out what, what we can swap them yeah, over at. Yeah, might yeah. figure something out. All right, thanks. Okay, Greg. Bye-bye. Yeah, good show. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. We've got Keith online. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. How you doing? Doing thanks great, sir. Good morning. Well, thank you. Yeah, so my son was involved in a, a wreck where someone hit him in the back as mm-hmm. a 2007 F-150 regular cab. Okay. And the the bumper needs to be replaced, mm-hmm. and the insurance company is trying to swap it out with a nine OEM yeah. bumper. And the reason I purchased the vehicle because they have a five star safety rating. My yes. other son was involved in a bad wreck that it flipped, and mm-hmm. and I wanted to make sure you know he was going to be safe. By them putting a nine OEM bumper on that vehicle, will that jeopardize the integrity of the, uh, the safety rating. Ford doesn't like those aftermarket parts, obviously, because they're in the market of selling new stuff. Most of the complaints I've heard on them, Keith, is that they tend to corrode. The plating is not done nearly as well. Sometimes the appearance is not quite as good. I would just go to my agent and said, hey, when I bought this policy, you didn't really give me a break because you were going to put make-believe parts on my car. Right. You know, I paid you full price that you asked and when my car got damaged, I thought you would repair it the way it was before. This was a 97-mile truck. I might not be so concerned. Right. But, you know, I'm still making payments on this thing. I really would rather have a Ford bumper on there. Right. Cause like and I say, see the, what they say. Yeah, the Ford is twice the cost of yeah, the and, other and you know, China. What Ford, well, and, and you know, have you ever gotten a whole lot of things from China that were really <laughs> that's, that's what I'm that you're real pleased with? Right. The plating is not as good on them. They have a lot of problems with them starting to rust after a few years and stuff like that. Of course, the insurance company doesn't care about that. All they want to do is exactly. get your signature on that check. I mean, I would just go in and discuss it with the agent. You know, you're not going to get too far with the adjuster because he's just going to spout company policy to you. Yeah, he's just a middleman. Yeah, and right. it's your insurance company that you're dealing with? We both have the same interest. They hit right. my son in the back, and yeah. you know they're paying for it. But yeah, 
Well, when you're dealing with your own insurance company, believe it or not, you got less leeway than when you're dealing with somebody else's just because when it's a liability claim involved, they're a little more likely to try to accommodate you. I would just go talk to the agent and say, hey, look, man, you know, we didn't talk about all this aftermarket stuff when I was buying this policy. I want a real bumper on here. Well, you want what was on it before. I, I just want, see, I want I, it replaced. See, I want this truck exactly. to be like it was one second before your driver smashed into it. Exactly. That's what I want. I don't I don't want any more. I just want it to be like it was before he hit it. And right. with a Chinese bumper on there, it ain't going to be like it was before he hit it. Well, that's what I tried to explain to them, and they gave me a whole... Oh, they got the party, yeah. you know, the party pattern that they're going to give you. Oh, yeah. But I think if you are politely insistent, I don't think you'll get anywhere screaming and hollering, but if you're politely insistent and go to the agent, the agent's got a lot of swing with the company because that's who brings right. the money in. Right. They said you're in good hands. We're going to take care of you like a good neighbor and all that. So, hey, it's time, right. time, time, time to fess up. <laughs> time to fess up. Yeah. Right. That good neighbor stuff don't <laughs> yeah. really work sometimes. I appreciate your time. Thank okay, you very Keith. much. Thank, Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I want to be part of the automotive hour. We would love to have you. We got to take one more quick little break. Perry, you hang on. You straight off after this break. Welcome. I am the great fondue automobile fortune teller. Sit. I'm hoping you can tell me if I have any big car repairs looming in my future. Ah, I see you among many cars, stopping and going. Yeah, Baton Rouge traffic. Now you're making a left turn. Hands, ten and two. Nice form. Uh, thanks? Now you're stopped at a light. Look, you're just naming things I do every day. I want to know if my car is going to break down anytime soon. If you're hoping to gaze into your car's future, Agco suggests bringing in your vehicle once a year for a general inspection. Agco gives you an honest opinion on the maintenance needed to keep your car running and save you money on big repairs in the future. Great fondue, you should try another profession instead of a car fortune teller. Well, I was a mechanic at one of those quick lube places, and believe me, I'm actually a better fortune teller. Well, that's scary. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan, president of Agco Automotive. I've got Mr. Brian Terry, our lead tech here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we're going right straight back to the lines with Perry. Good morning, Perry. Good morning, fellas. Good yes, morning. Sir. I've got an 09 Chevy pickup truck. Yes, sir. And if it's been parked for a while, like overnight or after work, when I get into it, start it. Yes, sir. I smell antifreeze. You smell it in the cab with you or in you smell cab. it outside? In the cab when I crank it up. Man, Perry, there's only two things that I know of that could cause that. One would be a leak in the heater core, and the other would be where the hose goes into the heater core. There's two quick connects that are made out of plastic. Uh-huh. If that thing leaks or if the O-ring in that leaks, that water can kind of jet out and hit firewall and go in. Sealed sort of, but it's not sealed from a jet of water. You might check the floor and see if the floor's wet. Yeah, pull the carpet back and see if it's kind of oily feeling on the floor down there. Okay. Now, sometimes it won't be because what happens is a tray in there that catches the drips from the air conditioner, it can also catch a drip from a heater core. That's and, what I'm thinking. Yeah, and, then and it, it runs out. It runs out, and the, and the air conditioning water washes drain. it out. And then once, once the uh, condensate comes back, it flushes it out. Correct. Now, you're still in the warranty on that thing, Perry? Yeah, I took it to the dealer, uh-huh. and 
I mean, you could smell the antifreeze in the car burning uh-huh. my eyes. I've been fooling with cars all since I was a kid. Right. And this guy said he didn't smell anything. Hmm. So I don't, I'm kind of in a predicament. Yeah, the only up. other thing that you well, can do is tell them you want to dye test it. There's a dye you can add to the coolant. It's a fluorescent dye. Uh-huh. You won't see it with your eye at all. Yeah. However, when it comes out, if you jack the car up and take a black light and put it on that thing, it'll have a big old yellow mark okay. all around it. Right. right. So it's not that they can't find it. It's just when they're on warranty, number one, they only get paid half the going rate to do warranty work. Yeah. So they ain't real eager about doing it anyway. Yeah. They'd rather let you get out of warranty and charge you full price. Well, like but, I say, I've been, I've been working with, fooling with cars and working with them since I was a kid. Yeah. Have you this been? guy at, at the Chevy place, if he can't smell antifreeze. <laughs> well, I mean, they could pressure check it and see yeah. if it's losing pressure. I mean, they could dye test it. There's all sorts of things they could do. Is the level down in the reservoir? Well, are you losing some coolant? No. Check that, and it doesn't seem to be losing a lot of coolant. Well, but again, that reservoir is yeah. almost a gallon, and I mean, one yeah. cc of antifreeze will make a that's pretty good I, smell, you know? That's what I was thinking. If yeah. you got a little bit that just leaks oh, into that tray it, or whatever Well, it, it don't take much. If it leaks on that oh. core, as soon as that core starts getting hot, it's going to really right. amplify the smell. The smell, right. But Well, that's what I'm going to suggest to them. Then. Yeah, get them to try that, and they can put dye in it. They can, there's even a little camera you can run up inside that case if you want to look uh-huh. around. I mean, if you're motivated, you can find it. Okay, well, you just got to kind of motivate them. Right. Okay, well, thank you all. Right, all right, Bye-bye. Okay, good show. All right, man, thank you. Right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, and we've got David on the line. Good morning. There? How yes, y'all sir. doing? Doing great, Good morning. Sir. Okay, listen, I love working on a Saturday because I get to listen to y'all when I, when I have that opportunity. Oh, all right. And, yeah, I've been listening to y'all for a long time, and I do understand that the, the transmission flush is not the way to go. Yes, sir. Now, I have a question for you. Sure. My daughter's at college at Southeastern. Yes, sir. We don't get home. And the car is a 98 Altima, and it's got 187,000 miles on mm-hmm. it. I'm sure that fluid needs to be changed yes, by sir. now. Mm-hmm. If I can't get it to y'all, mm-hmm. and she winds up having to bring it to whatever shop, mm-hmm. if they do a flush and drop the filter and put a clean filter, would that... Well, if, the, if they're going to drop the pan and change the filter, they don't have to do a flush because they're going to drain the fluid do. right there. So it would right. be one or the other, not both. You really don't ever want to flush the thing because when you do, you start stirring up stuff that you don't want to stir up, particularly on an old car like that. Yeah, and you, you can restrict a lot of other things. What you want to do is a simple drain and fill, and if it's got a filter, not all of those had filters in them, some sealed units, and uh-huh. what you would do is you would just drain and fill it twice. That's even easier. So you basically drain the fluid out, refill it, crank it up, drive it about 20 minutes, come back and do it again, and that's the way you service some of those. Now, I'm not sure which one it is. Some of them do have pans and have filters. You just have to check see which unit you got in it. If you get her to call around and you've been listening to the show a long time, you know the pattern. I mean, uh-huh. if, if the guy says, no, sir, we don't flush and we service them properly, we're going to do this, 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 then you're uh-huh. in the right place. Okay. You just got to look right. around a little bit. All right. She may have to do that. Another quick question yes, for you. Mm-hmm. When it's real cold in the morning, back any time, she goes to use the heater, it is not warming up when she's driving. And when she's at a stoplight and she's been driving it a while, it will blow warm air or hot air out of there. Could the thermostat be broken? Or yeah, that'll just weak. The thermostat can start to lose its charge so that it opens too soon. It may be opening up at 150 degrees instead of 195. Uh-huh. And 150 okay. degree water is not going to really warm that car up a whole lot. No, it ain't. The poor thing's freezing. Yeah, almost <laughs> always that's going to be a thermostat type issue. If not, there are some ducts and stuff under the dash that can cause something sort of like that. But generally it won't come back. I would almost vote thermostat on that. 
Okay, that's what I need to know. All righty. All right, I appreciate y'all. Y'all okay. be blessed. Well, thanks, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we got time for another call. Oh, he's shaking his head. Uh-oh. Hey, I want to tell everybody how much I appreciate him this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. If I didn't get a chance to get your call, please give us a call next week or send me an email on the website. That's right. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Right. Pop on there. Send me an email. Get your answer. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening. And I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends so we can... Get some more listening. That's right. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.